What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJHood. The NBA is back. The restart of the NBA season is here, and we're talking to you about it right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Along with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you, we will walk you up to the Clippers and the Lakers. Coverage starts at 8 o'clock right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. Chris, we're finally back to the NBA. Yes, we are, Jonathan, and after watching the first half of the Pelicans and the Jazz, they're at halftime right now, the Pelicans up 12 points. Let me tell you what, even though if anyone had any concerns of what this would look like down in Orlando with the bubble, we are going to get some high-level basketball from here on out. Eight games to finish off the regular season and then the NBA playoffs. It looks great on television. It sounds great. TNT doing a great job. And to be honest, I'm surprised at how good the basketball looked in the first half of this first game as the NBA returns. It was just good to be able to see, and we've seen some of these warm-up games uh, before tonight, Chris, and I just want to just take my hat off to the NBA for putting this all together. Like, yes, they're in a bubble, and the hope, the hope is, is that the majority of these players, if not all of them, can stay safe throughout this in this bubble through COVID-19, but just the, the layout on how it is. They've got, the, they've got the arena set up there in Orlando. They've got virtual fans, similar to what we saw with the, uh, the NFL draft draft they are serving as fans there uh, uh watching the action uh and it, it just seems like the nba knew exactly how they want to lay everything out to make sure that everyone is safe in there yeah in case you haven't seen it yet uh so what the nba has uh microsoft has these digital panels behind the benches that wrap around the baskets at both ends and they basically have fans at home on zoom Uh, basically sitting in seats virtually. Now, I know it sounds a little strange, but actually when you see it uh, for the first time, it actually doesn't look all that strange at all. And to be honest, the sound mix with the fans cheering who are there, you know, virtually, and then mixing that in with the arena sound. Jonathan, I'm telling you, the the presentation, I know you're hosting the baseball show over the course of the last hour. Mm -hmm. The presentation on TV is pretty spot on, the best that they could do under the circumstances. Along with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app as we lead you into the Lakers and the Clippers. By the way, let's tell the story because I don't think people know. So on March 11th, when everything started to shut down, uh, I'm calling a UIC baseball game. And I'm being distracted on my phone while I'm trying to call the game on ESPN Plus of the Utah Jazz. And there's murmurs across the league like they're going to shut these games down because of COVID-19. Remember, I called you on my way from UIC to ask you, like, what? I don't understand. Like, as you call a game, you don't know what's actually going on in the real world. (laughs) So I called you and I said, Chris, what is going on here? And you laid out everything that was going on where there are games that were finishing up that were done. The jazz game and everything else. That was a scary time back on March 11th. Yeah, it it certainly was. And that was the thunder and the jazz. 
And I remember I was just watching that game. I was waiting for it to start, um, as I do on a normal night watching the league. And what was weird was the players were out there warming up, and then they disappeared. And then the game was supposed to start, so the game broadcast on League Pass already started. So now you're just watching an empty court, but an arena full of people, and you started to see the rumors on social media. But meanwhile, they kept the in-game atmosphere going within the stadium, which was so bizarre because all those people are there without really knowing what was going on behind the scenes. And what was going on behind the scenes was basically the downfall of live sports as we we knew it with this pandemic, with Rudy Gobert testing positive, the players on the Thunder finding out, saying we don't want to go out there and play that team because of the positive tests with COVID-19. And we don't know how many other players over there have it, both teams being sequestered being held in quarantine in their own locker rooms. Uh, and then the the fans are in the stadium and game ops is, is kind of trying to fill time. They, you know, they have performers come out on the basketball court to sing. Uh, they have people doing their like timeout routines, you know, like the bucket boy type deal. Right. And it was just very odd to watch. And if you had league pass, you were able to watch all the in-game stuff happen in real time which i was doing and it was just a surreal night and jonathan you were on the air calling the baseball game for uic and i'm sure it was equally as strange to see all this stuff on your timeline even though you were calling a live event that was still taking place and then we know what took place the next 24 hours to 48 hours the cancellation of the ncaa tournament the nba season going on pause the nhl season going on pause and basically up until the last week and a half Live sports returned after what almost a four and a half month uh, time frame where we didn't have anything to watch live. I think I remember asking you at the time. I'm like, as you were running it down to me, I was like, "What's what's coronavirus? I don't understand." <laughs> I was like, well, it's not good. Right? It's like, what do you mean they shut the game down for coronavirus? I don't understand what you mean. And that was back in March, and so. It's a great time for us to be able to um, hit the refresh button here to talk about the storylines before everything stopped. Let's start with the Western Conference. So the storylines coming in was here is uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George coming together with this talented Clippers team to be able to try to knock off the Lakers and to be the top team in the West. The Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, we thought that there would be a disconnect there. They seem to be playing pretty smoothly. So let's talk about the matchup we're going to see tonight and just kind of related to what we saw before uh, the seasons uh, stopped because those are the top two teams in the West. And I mean, it's a, it's a marquee matchup because it's Kawhi, a top five player in this league, and LeBron. And that story is LeBron wanted to get back on the floor, wanted to play, Chris, because he's trying to chase a championship. Yeah, and so kind of the refresh of this matchup uh, throughout this season. Remember, if we go back to opening night, Lakers-Clippers. The Clippers won that game back in October 22nd. They won it 112-102. Uh, to Kawhi in that contest had 30 points, six rebounds, five assists. Paul George did not play in that game. LeBron almost had a triple-double, and Anthony Davis had 25 points. But the Clippers were still the better team. And I remember thinking, even on opening night, this this Clippers team is pretty deep. So then we fast-forward to Christmas Day, December 25th. The Lakers and the Clippers match up again. Clippers win 111-106. to Paul George played in that contest with 17 points. Kawhi Leonard led the way for the Clippers. 
35, 12, and 5. And really, those two were way too much for LeBron and Anthony Davis on Christmas Day. Now, right before the pandemic hit, March 8th was the third matchup between these two teams, and the Lakers finally got the Clippers, 112 to 103. LeBron was fantastic. AD had 30 points. Here's the key, though, Jonathan. In that game, both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard played, but the big key for the Lakers was Avery Bradley. He had 24 points. Mm -hmm. If you remember that game, he shot 6 of 12 from three-point line. Now, why is that important? Avery Bradley is not participating in the bubble. He is not playing with the Lakers here in the restart for the NBA season. So it, it goes into this concept for the Lakers. Early on this season, the Clippers were the better team, and it seems like the Clippers are not really taking the regular season as seriously as LeBron and the Lakers were. But now the Lakers, once they finally get the Clippers, they finally beat them this season, the pandemic hits, the NBA shuts down, and the Lakers are without some really good point guard death because of the injury with Rajon Rondo and then Avery Bradley not participating. So I, I think as we look at this matchup tonight, what will be interesting is the depth of the, of the Clippers against this Lakers squad. How does LeBron look after the, the, the stop and play and the three months off? And then for these eight games, do the Clippers even care? Because there is no home court advantage anymore. So will they really play all out as if this was a normal regular season game? I think a lot of interesting angles to look at with this contest. I just think that similar to uh, baseball, the NBA players have to be able to take it seriously as well because uh, there's, there's two big things happening in the NBA. It's the battle for eighth, the eighth spot in the Western Conference and also trying to figure out who can jockey for position and get play better and get better as we get close to the playoffs. And when I see the Clippers here, I was very impressed by what they were able to do um, before everything stopped. And it, it is true that the depth was something that was big for the Clippers coming into the season. And so when I'm watching, you know, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, uh, watching those two, but now the question is like Pat Beverly, ready to go? Yes, no. Lou Williams after the whole chicken wings uh, incident at uh, Magic City, <laughs> and whether or not he's going to be available. If not tonight, then in the very near future. On paper, it looks good. There's no Harrell also in this game, from what I understand, for tonight against the the yep. Lakers. So it's you know it's it, it's starting off a little questionable because both teams don't have <laughs> full rosters and full quality um, players on the roster. But still, the main characters of AD with goggles tonight, by the way, because he was scratching the eye, LeBron and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, that still remains as really big for both of these teams. Alex Caruso, what is he going to do as a backup point guard for the Lakers? You know, like that game that they, the Lakers won, 112 to 103 in March. Avery Bradley played 33 minutes. Ray John Rondo played 22. Caruso played seven. So now Caruso has to step into a role where he's probably going to play 25 minutes. And, and if he's on the court that long, does he get exposed? I know he's a player who has improved over the course of time that yeah. he's been with the Lakers, and can LeBron trust him? But really, when you're losing someone like Avery Bradley, that's a player who has some experience. And of course, Rajon Rondo, one of the smartest players uh, in the NBA today, uh, that's definitely going to be a blow to the Lakers. And you're right, they, this is going to be a fascinating matchup, and I'm re really excited for it. 
Well, listen, I mean, Caruso is not going to give you a lot on the defensive end, but this is when you have to trust him as a driving kick situation. If he's open, you got to let him shoot the basketball, that you need to have that extra offense. And he's one of those guys, because I saw him in the G League um, for South Bay and watching him with this Lakers team. He just has to be able to hit shots. He's not going to do a lot else other than that. So, so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, coming up next, we'll take a look at the Eastern Conference um, because Milwaukee is at the top. But what about the NBA champions? What about the Raptors in, uh, during this time in Orlando? We will talk about the Eastern Conference and get your reaction. Three one two three three two ESPN three three two three seven seven six is our phone number. If you're an NBA fan and excited about the NBA returning, yeah. Uh, We'll get your reaction as well. Follow us on Twitter at TweetJHood, at Chris Black right here on Under the Hood. This is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Along with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you for our NBA Restart show right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. We are leading you into the Lakers and Clippers beginning at 8 o'clock right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. Chris and I are huge NBA fans, and we have a monthly podcast uh, that you will be able to find as we move forward here throughout the NBA season. Uh, It's called the Love of the Pod podcast. You can find that on the ESPN Chicago app as well. And so, Chris, one thing I want to point out about the Eastern Conference here. Now, of course, Milwaukee and Giannis uh, have been head and shoulders the very best in the Eastern Conference. But there's always that but, though, right? That's for every team, especially the good ones. But there's always this thing where you see Milwaukee and you believe that they're good enough to be able to last through several rounds of the playoffs. The question is, though, are they ready to be able to be the champions of the East? Because I really believe two teams I'm looking at here on this restart. One of them is Miami with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and watching that team. I just think even though they're the fourth seed coming into the playoffs that we're going to be seeing here, they're locked in at four. I think that they're going to be a threat and have something to say because of their toughness and Jimmy Butler. And then Toronto, uh, there is no Kawhi Leonard. And I'm not trying to just like like outsmart the room by saying, hey, they're the champions, give them a chance. No, even without Kawhi, I thought before everything stopped, I thought Toronto played really solid uh, basketball. And I, I think that Nurse should be the coach of the year based on how he's been able to handle this team through a 46-18 and 18 record. I totally agree with you. I mean, the one thing I I don't think many people expected was that if Kawhi Leonard left, that Pascal Siakam would step right in as the next superstar for the Toronto Raptors. We all saw it last year. He was an improved player. He was very good. But to see him scoring 24 points per game, to have the 3.6 assists, the 7.5 rebounds, and really leading that team, You've also seen uh, Kyle Lowry playing really well once again. Fred Van Vliet playing great basketball. Norman Powell as well. You know, they they go almost seven deep players who are scoring over 10 points per game. And six of those guys are scoring over 15 points per game. Nick Nurse has done a great job. And Jonathan, you you bring up a great point. The, The Milwaukee Bucks have had a fantastic season. But for some reason, people continue to throw in that little piece of doubt whether or not they can really get it done and I can't quite figure out if that's because the teams behind the Bucks are good enough to beat them like the Raptors the Heat 
or the Celtics? Or is it just the doubt we put on the next great player until that player proves to us he's not just an MVP? He's not just a great player on a team that's good in the regular season. He's not just the guy who fails in the playoffs. Like, which one is it? Is it because the other teams in the league are right behind them, they can beat them? Or is it because people just want to doubt Giannis Antetokounmpo until he wins a title? You know, it's, it's, it, to me, it's like we want, people wanted to doubt Jordan until Jordan put a six spot up, right? People wanted to doubt LeBron until he went to the finals for a decade straight. So, like, is the doubt there because the Bucks are really beatable, or is it because people need something to knock? They need to knock some form of greatness. And Giannis is on way to winning his uh, second MVP back-to-back years. It's pretty impressive. So, here's what I see. I, I, this is no shot on Giannis, by the way, because before the stoppage, I thought that there was some growth in his game. What, what did we want to see from Giannis? The ability to shoot the basketball, get it done the free throw line, and shoot from the outside, right? I mean, right. already strong defender from you know from sideline to sideline because of his length and his, his ability. That's not a problem. You just want him to be able to have a jump shot and be able to do it on a, a effective basis, on a continuous basis, as much as possible for this team. If he's going to lead, he's going to have to be able to shoot the ball. It's just that it's not about Giannis for me. It is about the others underneath him. Like I've always thought, even going back to last year when we talked about the the Bucks, it was about shooting around him, uh, and I mean reliable shooting. And so with this, when you look at this this team, where is it? Is it Middleton? Where is the extra offense coming from outside of Giannis when you really need to make a big basket? Yeah, and and to that point, it, it makes perfect sense because. If we rewind back to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, how did Toronto beat Milwaukee? They basically turned the Bucks into a one-man team, mm-hmm. and then they said, okay, we're going to hold strong at the free throw line and in the paint, and we're not letting Giannis get past us at this point. So Giannis, you're the one-man team, and you got to shoot from the outside to beat us. He couldn't do that. And Kawhi Leonard, uh, at this moment, is still the better basketball player. If you're want, if you're going one on one, I would still put my money on Kawhi to win in that game over Giannis. But I think Giannis has shown us throughout the season he can improve from the outside, and the others need to step up. Chris Middleton, can he be a legitimate number two on a team that wins a championship? Eric Bledsoe, is Eric Bledsoe going to be okay? Is he going to be there for the stretch run in this this whole thing? You know, uh, with Brooke Lopez, with uh, George Hill. They have a whole bunch of pieces. Wesley Matthews off the bench. They've got good, solid role pieces, but you're right. It's that second person. Is Chris Middleton the next guy to really step up and to be a legitimate number two to win a championship? And I I think that goes back to, like, the sizzle factor, right? Chris Middleton's made all-star teams. He's been there for those weekends. He was in Chicago for the all-star game. But, you know, does he really get anything? You know, does he move the meter? I don't know if he does. So people want to sleep on him, but he's a damn good basketball player. I I do think, Jonathan, the original point that you brought up about looking at the Heat, I think the Heat are dangerous. I think the Raptors are dangerous. And a lot of people are sleeping on the Celtics. And the one thing with the Celtics that I think uh, you have to add to the conversation is these young players on teams, Siakam, Tatum, Brown, how much did they improve over the last four months? Basically, it was a, the amount of time of an offseason. 
So which one of these guys dedicated themselves to improving their craft to the point where when they show back up in Orlando, it's a totally different team. It's a more improved team. Along with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you for our NBA Restart Show right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN uh, Chicago app. And, and it's just because Toronto just seems more battle-tested and just seems ready. I, I like I like that team. It would not surprise me if Toronto was able to win the East again. Again, if Toronto did win the East, now you're taking on what I would consider either the Clippers or the Lakers, and that's no shot at Denver or some of the other teams. I just think that for some reason that Toronto very well could be able to overtake the Bucks. I just thought when I saw matchups with the Bucks and the Raptors, Chris, I thought that Toronto was able to out-physical the Bucks at times and and push them to the perimeter. You make it, you mentioned making the Bucks one-dimensional. I don't know if they've learned from that, but that very well could be, again, if they match up once again. And you know what really hurts the Bucks is that this is a tournament taking place because of a pandemic in Orlando, Florida, where everyone's playing at the same court. Mm-hmm. The Bucks this season were 28 and 3 at home. You know, like that that, you know, if we got into the playoffs and the Raptors had to go to Milwaukee with all the people outside that arena and everything going on in Milwaukee and all the fanfare with Giannis and the fear of the deer, you you know that that would make a difference. So like for the Raptors, it's fantastic. They all are on equal playing field here. They're all in an equal situation. And there's not really that big of a discrepancy when you look at the Western Conference either. So really, it was the fact that Milwaukee was so good at home. Because if you look at the other teams, 23-9 and for the Raptors, 23-9 and for the Celtics, 27-5 and for the Heat, all at home. But, you know, 28-3, and that's some pretty good stuff for the Milwaukee Bucks. Zion looks good, by the way. Even oh, though, yeah, he does. Even though he's on a minutes restriction, yeah. and that's fine. Like I know that was the big, that was all the rage, like all <laughs> day today. Like uh, me listening to the to radio, ver- different shows. Z- Zion isn't ready because he was outside the bubble and he had to be in quarantine. So what? He's not in shape and all this other stuff. Like that, the narrative on Zion is amazing. They just want to make him like Oliver Miller, like he can't play. Like, oh, he's <laughs> big guy, can't lumbering up and down the floor. This ain't going to work, all this stuff. Why yeah. did Adam Silver shoehorn in the, the Pelicans? Because even though Zion's a draw, he can't be dependent. Look at the beginning of the season when they scheduled all those games for the Pelicans and he wasn't there. Like, dude, like, this is what I mean, Chris, about all sports. And, hey, I'll never, I, never, I'll, I, I can't say never. It's more likely that I will not host first take because I'm just not a take guy. I'm not this first take guy that's just going to tell you that Zion is this or Zion is that. He's still a young player that has to develop, man. Like, like they, I understand that a lot of people are watching him because of what he did for college basketball. He put the sport on his back for a year. And I understand we haven't seen anything quite like that package before, but my God, let him be a star before you make one judgment on he is a superstar versus he's not a superstar because he's not in shape. I just like to see like a body of work for a full season to find out if he is a difference maker for the Pelicans before we consider him on the same wavelength as LeBron. Under a minute in the third quarter, Pelicans are up 85 to 75. Uh, Here's the stat line for Zion tonight. He's only played 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. He's five of six from the field. He has 11 points. 
Uh, he has one one assist. He's moving up and down the court. Uh, again, playing very limited. But think about this, over a point per minute. And that's kind of what we saw when he was playing originally throughout the season when they kind of removed those limits. They're a dangerous team when he's healthy. And Jonathan, also, all of our NBA coverage is brought to you by Kia. Visit Kia.com to see what it means to give it everything. And by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. All right, coming up, uh, you know people have been waiting for it, right? You know they're waiting for us to talk about it. <laughs> One of the 22 teams that's not uh, part oh, of this no. uh, restart is the, Chi- the Chicago Bulls. Get out of here, Boylan. How come Boylan's not fired? <laughs> oh. We talk about it next right here on our NBA Restart Show with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. This is Under the Hood. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. If nothing else, Karnaschovas is a man of his word. Three and a half months into the Karnaschovas tenure, and nearly four and a half months since the Bulls' truncated 65-game season ended with 22 victories, Boylan remains in place. Anxiousness has now turned into confusion. That is written by Darnell Mayberry from TheAthletic.com as you're listening to our NBA Restart Show with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. So not only Darnell Mayberry, Chris, from The Athletic, but also Joe Cowley has written this several times from the Sun-Times regarding Jim Boylan. And it's great that the Bulls have decided to turn the organization over to Karnaschovas and to Mark Eversley. But... You just knew, if you know the Bulls, you just know that just because you hire two new guys doesn't necessarily mean that you're firing the coach immediately. Like I, I believe that even if you had a new coach in place, and there's several that I'm looking at that I wish were the Bulls coach, you're not going anywhere anyway. So, so eventually it's going to happen. It just won't happen when we want it. Yeah, I like he, this can't really be happening, right? They can't clean house as far as the front office goes and then keep the coach. That's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, like, like, are we like, we can't go through that. Like, okay. You have all these good vibes Mm -hmm. because of bringing in two smart individuals to run your basketball organization and, and you're finally changing the way people will perceive the Chicago bulls in the rest of the league. I mean, you and I were at All-Star Weekend. Eric was with us. He's producing yeah. the show tonight. We were all there for the All-Star festivities. And the talk behind the scenes everywhere in Chicago that weekend was how embarrassing the Bulls franchise has become. And so that really sparked this thought of change and what took place. And, and, and now we no longer have Gar Foreman as the GM of this team. And John Paxson got kicked upstairs, but now the show is being run by Karnaschovas and by Mark Eversley. And now you have two new guys from different organizations with a, a breath of fresh air being able to make their own decisions. Uh, th- coming in and then not being able to hire their own head coach, that can't happen. And I, I can't – the only thing that I could hope for right now is that because the Bulls technically are not doing anything at the moment, they're not participating in the Orlando bubble. 
There is no secondary bubble being created here in Chicago for teams who miss the playoffs. The only thing that I could think of is that because nothing is needed to be done at this moment, that nothing will happen until this NBA season ends, and then they will make a move, and then Boylan will be relieved of his duties, and they'll get the coach that they want, who's probably a guy who's coaching one of the teams who are in the Orlando bubble right now finishing out the season. I know. I can't can't see it playing out any other way. Well, are you sure that – here's a question. Are you sure – uh, that Karnaschovas wanted uh, Boylan fired immediately. Like, I, everybody around NBA circles knows that he's a boob. Like, everybody understands that. And right. if you talk to some of the players, I'm sure that there was not a sterling review of Boylan as a head coach. And, and it goes back to our original point on previous podcasts. When, when we talked about the point of when Fred Hoiberg was the head coach and Jim was an assistant, are you sure that Jim was not part of the problem? Yeah, uh, it's one thing to fire Fred, and you feel like Fred Hoiberg's not the the right guy. But what what makes Boylan the right guy? Because he walked up the back stairs and told management what Fred wasn't doing. Seriously, no. Um, and and the thing that you and I documented throughout the entire process was a lot of the stuff that he had critiques about Hoiberg. He was a part of that coaching staff, like yeah. complaining that the team was out of shape. You you're the lead assistant coach. Shouldn't you have done something? Well, here's here's where I look at it as you're listening to our NBA restart show as we lead you into the Clippers and Lakers here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. <laughs> here's what I don't want. I don't want the Bulls to just continue to just give Jim Boylan a ham sandwich and just say, hey, when you <laughs> when we come back here, you're going to be the head coach. And then they come to find out that some of the top coaching candidates already have another job here in, in the next offseason. Like, Kenny Atkinson should be the coach of the Bulls, like, today. Today. Yeah. Like, that, that would be my – because if you think Kenny's an A to B coach, that's fine. That's fine. Here's what we know about Kenny Atkinson. He's very good with young well, young players. He just didn't want to deal with the headache that's going to be KD and Kyrie. And I love those two as players too, but just the idea that they're both on the, on the team at the same time, you know that if something goes awry, that Kenny would be fired quickly. So Atkinson would be on the top of my list as a head coach for the Bulls. You want to throw Stackhouse in there, a guy that deserves an opportunity to be a head coach, mm-hmm. he'd be on my list as well. It's a short list. And I'm not digging for analysts. Van Gundy will never be hired by the Bulls, uh, so that's never going to happen. Or Mark Jackson, apparently, I guess he's never going to get a job if he can't get the the Knicks job here. So that would be my very short list. And maybe Hawk Griffin. And that's about it. Yeah. um, Yudoko from the uh, 76ers as well. You know, Darvin Ham, the assistant for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's someone that I would look at as well. But you're right. It's a short list. And you're spot on with Kenny Atkinson. I think he's exactly what this team needs. I had a league source tell me that Kenny Atkinson is not only a great guy behind the scenes, like getting people to buy in also with young players, but also with people who work on the team. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it wouldn't be a a friction-type relationship with kind of what, what we saw in the past with Tom Thibodeau and the old regime here with the Chicago Bulls, and you're right about Atkinson. He just didn't want to deal with two guys who wanted to call all the shots, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, who, for all you know, for all we know, they, they may not even like each other in six months. I mean, right. they haven't played together. No, ser- seriously, they haven't played games together. 
they kind of paired up on a whim because they were, you know, it's weird. Like Kevin Durant just feels like he's never getting enough appreciation. And while he was going through all that stuff, Kyrie was the one who was giving him the text messages and checking in on him. And all of a sudden Kevin Durant is going to Brooklyn. So like, if that blows up, I would not be surprised at all because those two are, are very um, kind of, they're two personalities that are unpredictable in the way they kind of operate. So I think you're right. Kenny Atkinson would be a very good hire. And, you know, going back to this whole Jim Boylan conversation, you know, it, I think it's pretty clear the players don't want to play for him. And you can say that he mended fences or he flew to Finland to see marketing on on summer break last year, this, that, and the other. Uh, I think that the players, from what I've been led to believe, they are not interested in playing for him anymore. And I've also been told that if the Bulls still have him as a head coach and they go shopping on the free agent market, free agents are not going to want to play in Chicago because of Jim Boylan. So, like, if that's the talk that's out there, why, if you're AK or if you're Eversley, would you even risk keeping him around? No, why would I, you? Yeah, it, no, it makes sense. Yeah, it's it crazy. Sense. Uh, with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you on our NBA Restart Show right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. We built this show together so that way we can lead you right in the Clippers and Lakers as the NBA's return tonight uh, on a, in a big way in Orlando, Florida. Um, how about this for a quick hot take? You ready for this? I don't do hot takes, but I'll give you a mild take. That's what I do, mild takes. Okay, because um, I, I watched Kendrick Perkins on the jump earlier today, so I'm not sure if I can take <laughs> any more hot takes. Wait a minute. Hold on about that. So, so <laughs> I never remembered wanting Ke- Kendrick Perkins' thoughts on anything. No, exactly. <laughs> so it's oh, like my... I mean, every oh, time, no. whether it's like ESPN, Fox, <laughs> like, you know, the digital stuff for ESPN, like here's KP who's never said anything to anybody that I can remember what he played. And now he's just this outspoken dude. I'm less like, wait, he's like new age Barkley. I don't remember asking him <laughs> anything. I don't think I ever no. wanted. I didn't want anything from him. So here's a well, mild he's pick, take. He's picking the Raptors to win the title. So there you go. Oh, that's fine. Um, <laughs> so here's a mild take for you. Mild yeah. take is what if, and you mentioned Adoka, and it's a it's a good name. I want people to be able to take uh, what, what Chris said and take it to heart because that guy is going to be a head coach. He was with the Spurs uh, six, seven years uh, as an assistant to Greg Popovich, right? Yeah, uh, Yeah. Emi Udoka was with the Spurs from uh, 2010 and 11. Uh, He was there in 07 to 09. He's Mm -hmm. also spent time with the Trailblazers, the Knicks, um, the Kings. Uh, He was a, uh, let's see, he was there from, hold on, I I was giving you his playing career. Let me rewind. He was there from 2012 to 2019 as a Spurs assistant. Then he joined Brett Brown with the 76ers from 2019 on. That's it. All right. So that guy's going to be a head coach some someday. And maybe yeah. he might be the Spurs' next head coach if it's not Becky Hammond. But I'm thinking that Pop, if not, it won't be this year, but could you see him with another team? His, I think his politics are more aligned to Coach Brooklyn. Could you imagine him coaching mm. KD and – uh, and Kyrie, I think that that would work. I think how he speaks and what his knowledge that he bring to the table will really work well in Brooklyn. 
he, he would appeal to uh, the deep thinking Kyrie Irving. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or just make his ass work harder. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, like well, yeah, you know, um, the, what you're going to run over like the one of the greatest coaches of all time. Those two. I mean, if you run those two over, then you might as well just break up that team right now. Yeah, you you really think that Pop, if he leaves the Spurs, he would take another job, or he would just kind of go drink wine on his own? You know, I, I think he's tired of Texas. That's what I, I can see I that. Think, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I think he's tired of that. I think that he's that he's more aligned to being a Brooklyn, being with Brooklyn. Uh, if he's going to coach again, and I don't know his desires, but I just know that that dog won't hunt in San Antonio anymore. Like that's that's not never going to happen. They're not going to be in the title hunt at all anymore in San Antonio. Okay, if I had to grade that, I would say that's a pretty hot take. I don't know if that's. Oh my, no, I think that's some spice. No, no, I don't want to be. I think no, that's no. spicy. No, no, no. I there's don't want to be hot. There's plenty of chili powder on that yeah, take. Yeah, yeah. There's some spice uh-huh. on that, Eric. Right. <laughs> No, I don't want it to be a hot take. It's just a thought. It's just like an old-fashioned sports radio thought. That's all. No, 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 no. Everything today is a take. Uh, so so that's it. Uh, all of our NBA coverage is brought to you by Kia. Visit Kia.com to see what it means to give it everything. And by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Uh, along with Chris Black, John the Hood with you here as the NBA is back. It's our restart show right here on ESPN 1000. We have an NBA podcast that Chris and I do once a month, and we're going to restart that. We started with this one here, and then we'll move forward here throughout the season as we get ready for the playoffs. Uh, Chris's favorite team, the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic. Here's something to look out for. Chris, Doncic, who has played in plenty of high-stakes games in the EuroLeague, this season, he's going to play in his first NBA playoffs along with Przingis. How about that? That now I know that's like off the radar, but that think about Doncic in the playoffs. If you thought he was good in the regular season, now he's with Przingis with Dallas. That's going to be special. Yeah, and they really started to click right before the shutdown of everything. So you know, you look at what Dallas has sitting in the seventh spot. You know, if you look at the Western Conference between the seeds, three through seven, which is the Nuggets at three, the Jazz at four, Thunder five, six, you have the Rockets. The Mavericks are behind the Rockets by a game and a half. You know, that's something where you could see Dallas catch a Rockets team. You could see Dallas make a move on the Thunder. I I think this team is set up for, for success here in this tournament because Luka Doncic really is a player coming into his own, starting to hit his peak ceiling potential and you know we haven't really talked about the mvp conversation which will be reflective of what we saw until the shutdown at the start of march but you know even though luca is not going to win the mvp he's in the conversation if i and if i had a vote he would be one of the five guys i would give a vote to for this season he's been that impressive in the mavs winning 40 games before the shutdown all right, uh, we are going to continue to keep you abreast of what's going on with this uh, Pelicans game. We'll keep you up to date on that. And also, uh, a changing of the guard in New York. Does it make a difference? We talk about it coming up next. It's our NBA restart show with Chris Bleck. Jonathan Hood with you right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. 
Boy, this is a good game right now, Chris. Pelicans in Utah. What a way to start the season, right? The restart of the season. Uh, Listen, I I was watching the first half, watching here in the second half, and I told you from the start of this show, high-level basketball. And I think that's something we're going to get here in the NBA playoffs. I'm excited. It does not seem, watching this game, like they are rusty and, you know, it it seems like they're ready to go. This this is going to be fun. Yeah, it's been seesaw back and forth, Utah and the and the Pelicans here for game number one. We're going to lead you into the Clippers and Lakers coming up at eight right here on ESPN 1000. Tom Thibodeau on Saturday officially um, was announced, was said that he was going to agree to a contract, and now it's official that Thibodeau is the new head coach for the Knicks. And I, I said uh, Saturday with Dickerson, uh, Chris, I said... <laughs> Like, it's great that Leon Rose and Roll Wide West are running the Knicks, but it's still not a destination. Still, free agents, if they had it, their druthers, would prefer to play in Brooklyn and not the Knicks. They got this, this old janky building, Madison Square Garden. It's great, but it's not the attraction to get free agents to come in there. So Thibodeau has a long uh, uphill climb with a lot of young talent. And, you know, he's not that great with young talent. Well, it depends. Uh, as of late, uh, you're right, because in Minnesota, with Wiggins and Towns, it did not go well. But I would argue in Chicago with young talent, he got the most out of the young talent. He maximized young talent. I could give you Joakim Noah. I could give you Jimmy Butler. I could give you Luol Dang. I could give you Todd Gibson. Those are players who are young players who stepped in immediately for Tom Thibodeau here with the Chicago Bulls and immediately had an impact. And, like, specifically, if you look at a guy like Luol Deng, Luol Deng was a bit lost as an NBA player his first couple of seasons. Uh, Tom Thibodeau takes over for the Chicago Bulls, and he tells Lou, stop shooting three-point shots. You're better from the mid-range, and you be my defensive stopper, and you just bury 15-foot shots. And all of a sudden, next thing we know, Lou Deng is hitting shots, and he's a bit of a game-changer for the Chicago Bulls, leading the way for this team. So, I mean... Tom Thibodeau, um, you're right. When he looks at this Knicks roster, he's going to have to maximize the young players like R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, and and see what he can get uh, from others like Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle. Because until they sign high-level free agents, it's going to come down to Thibs getting the most out of players who to this point have been very disappointing in their NBA careers. That Bulls tenure feels like 20 years ago. And oh, the most yeah. recent job with Minnesota, when you wanted him to be able to implement some kind of defensive prowess, the, the wow. Timberwolves were giving up seem like 110 or more a night. And so that just that dog just wasn't going to hunt in Minnesota. And so I just think it's going to be difficult for him. I mean, it's, it's I'm not really happy about the hire. But but there he is with his really last chance, I think, to be a head coach. And I don't see the cover being very full for, for Thibodeau. Again, he needs to have an infusion of talent in, for, in order for this to work. Next season, who has a better coach, the Bulls or the Knicks? The Bulls. Oh. Well, that can't they- be Boylan. No, it'll be a doka, like you said. It'll be all right, like all right, that. all right. I, I can do that. Yeah. We thank you for listening, being part of the program. You're on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Our thanks to you for listening. Our thanks to Eric Ostrowski on the other side of the glass. Thanks for coming in, buddy. Good to talk to you, Jonathan. Thanks, Eric. For Chris Fleck, I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks for checking out our NBA Restart Show. I'm back tomorrow at 6 o'clock for the baseball show right here on Chicago's Home for Sports.